Did you know that the government has been keeping alien bodies under wraps and hidden from the public? That's what some people claim anyway. What do you think? Have aliens been recovered from UFO crashes? Or are these just bullshit stories? Let's talk about that. Is it UFO? Hello, citizens, and welcome to UFO UAP WTF. I'm your host, Jason McClellan, and together we'll be exploring the fascinating, enigmatic, and frustrating subject of UFOs. Although aliens and UFOs are completely separate topics, these two are frequently conflated, and you've no doubt heard stories from pop culture about claims of UFO crashes and the recovery of the extraterrestrial pilots of those crashes. Claims of alien bodies are a staple in UFO lore. We'll explore this topic together today, but first, let's see what's been in the news. On January 25th, the United States Department of Defense's Office of the Inspector General issued a press release announcing the publication of an unclassified summary of a previously issued classified report titled, Evaluation of the DOD's Actions Regarding Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena. According to this press release, Quote, the report reviewed the extent to which the DOD, military services, defense agencies, and military department counterintelligence organizations took intelligence, counterintelligence, and force protection actions to detect, report, collect, analyze, and identify unidentified anomalous phenomena, end quote. The basic news here is that the DOD-OIG found that, quote, the DOD does not have a comprehensive, coordinated approach to address UAP, end quote pointing out that different departments and entities within the DOD have, quote, varying processes to collect, analyze, and identify UAP incidents, end quote. Additionally, the DOD-OIG determined that, quote, the DOD's lack of a comprehensive coordinated approach to address UAP may pose a threat to military forces and national security, end quote, highlighting the absence of an overarching UAP policy. Along with its determination, the DOD-OIG provided recommendations in this report to the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security in coordination with the Director of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, also known as ARO, the Secretaries of the Army, Navy, and Air Force, and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. There have been plenty of opinions shared on social media about this report and the determination of the DOD-OIG. Some have presented this report as a scathing review of Arrow. It's also being touted as evidence that Arrow's former director, Sean Kirkpatrick, has provided false statements to the press recently when discussing Arrow's work. What the report actually does is simply reiterate an issue that's already been raised. The fact that UFOs are a real problem, and the biggest issue is the lack of coordination and information sharing between different departments and agencies. This is the exact reason Congress passed legislation and established the Pentagon's UFO projects, 
So the conclusions reached by this report were already established realities and concerns, and things have been in motion to address those issues. It's true that one of Arrow's major objectives is to establish cohesive procedures and facilitate data sharing. At the time this report was originally published, August 2023, Arrow was still in its infancy and not operating at full capacity. In fact, we've been told that it wasn't projected to be fully operational until this year, 2024. Additionally, the response provided by Arrow and the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security in this report explains that they agree with the recommendation provided by the DOD-OIG, but they pointed out that the DOD-OIG's assessment was, quote, based on observations that largely predate the establishment of Arrow, end quote. Then they explain where they were in their process of achieving their goals. The DOD-OIG notes that the response from Arrow and the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, quote, fully addressed the recommendation, end quote, and that the recommendation was considered, quote, resolved but open, end quote. This is true of the other recommendations in the report as well. The DOD-OIG feels its recommendations were addressed, and it will keep those issues open until the recommended policies, procedures, etc. are actually in place and in action. If you're interested in checking out the unclassified version of this report for yourself, I've included it in the research links for this episode on ufouapwtf.com. On January 31st, Canadian news network CTV published a story about a recent UFO incident reported by pilots. The incident occurred in the early morning on January 19th over the Canadian Prairies region in Western Canada. Multiple pilots reported mysterious lights in the sky. These pilots estimated the lights to be at an altitude of at least 100,000 feet and seemingly moving into formations like triangles. Let's listen to some of the air traffic control radio recordings from when this incident was taking place. Ready, set, go! E6, Roger. Uh, had a company aircraft over Thunder Bay uh, suggest he thinks it possibly could be um, satellites, and just based on the angle of the sun, uh, it could be sunlight refracting off those satellites and just causing that. I mean, I'm certainly no expert, but uh, they're, they're moving side to side and, and they're going away from each other and forming triangles, but it doesn't really seem like they're in any type of orbit. But, I mean, I'm no expert. Caterpillar 600, level 272. Caterpillar 600, morning, and are you still seeing those lights that you were reporting earlier? Yeah, it's uh, quite bizarre. There's uh, around six of them uh, just randomly doing the formation flight at high altitude at 12 o'clock, uh, for 600. Okay, thanks. Sightings like this are incredibly common and increasing in frequency. Our skies are becoming absolutely littered with all sorts of things as nations and private companies continue launching more and more technology into orbit. SpaceX's Starlink satellites are one of the primary culprits for current pilot UFO sightings like this, and that's a likely culprit in this case too, but obviously without additional information, other possibilities are always on the table. According to CTV, pilots submitted a report to Transportation Canada's Incident Database. And it notes that these reports are usually provided to federal transportation officials by a private nonprofit company called Nav Canada that owns and operates Canada's civilian air navigation infrastructure. And Nav Canada's aviation guidelines direct pilots to immediately report, quote, a vital intelligence sighting of any airborne and ground objects or activities that appear to be hostile, suspicious, unidentified, or engaging in possible illegal smuggling activity, end quote. And, reportedly, these sighting reports have unidentified flying objects at the top of its list of examples of sighted objects. 
Nav Canada apparently also notified the military's Canadian air defense sector in North Bay, Ontario of this incident. But as is almost always the case with sightings like this, there's not much information to work with, and it's unlikely we'll ever hear a follow-up or an update to this story. But the audio from these pilot UFO sightings is always incredibly fascinating to listen to. It really puts you in the moment, and you get to experience these incidents as they unfold. I've included the audio in this episode's links, so you can check that out for yourself. Just go to ufouapwtf.com, look for this episode, and you'll see a links tab on the audio player. Let's get into our topic for today, alien bodies. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, alien bodies are a fixture in UFO lore. Most people have probably heard stories or seen movies or TV shows with plots involving the U.S. government recovering both victims and survivors of UFO crashes. The bodies of deceased extraterrestrials are hidden and kept under wraps by the military, and the survivors are held prisoner at secretive installations like Area 51 and forced to work for the government. You may have noticed headlines related to this topic in the mainstream media during the past year, and that's largely due to the recent claims made by former intelligence official David Grush, who, as we've covered on previous episodes, has alleged both in media appearances and during testimony before Congress that the U.S. government is in possession of both recovered alien spacecraft and, as he vaguely describes, non-human biologics. Again, this is an old standard in UFO lore. Some people are excited right now because they're holding out hope that David Grush's assertions will be confirmed. After all, he testified before Congress, and legislation has been passed that incorporates language directly related to his claims. Anything's possible when it comes to a mysterious, enigmatic, and complicated topic like UFOs, but I don't personally expect anything to materialize related to his allegations. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But let's look at some other examples of alien body claims from UFO history. We might as well begin with Roswell, because, in addition to being the grandmother of UFO incidents and pop culture, it's also essentially the origin of this notion that the U.S. government has recovered alien bodies, both dead and alive. We've covered the claims of alien bodies related to the Roswell incident on a previous episode of this show, so we're not going to go into any great detail in our discussion today, but essentially... A few alleged witnesses have come forward over the years to claim first-hand knowledge of alien bodies recovered by the military from a crashed UFO in Roswell, New Mexico back in 1947. One of these supposed witnesses, Frank Kaufman, asserted that the military found three or four or five small beings with large heads and eyes, depending on which version of his story you read. He described them as being very human-looking, they had the normal five digits on each hand, and they wore skin-tight flight suits. He said the two bodies were outside the craft, while three were still inside. And one outside the craft was still alive. He alleged that the military removed all the evidence, the bodies were placed in body bags, and they were all sealed in a single wooden crate. This single wooden crate was then moved to an empty aircraft hangar, and, as I like to say, in pure Hollywood fashion, they shined a spotlight on this crate while armed soldiers stood guard. This crate was then allegedly loaded onto a B-29 the next day and flown to Fort Worth Army Airfield. Again, this is one of the primary origins of the alien bodies element to the Roswell incident. Yet, because of the contradictions in his story, 
being caught fabricating documents to bolster his claims, and many other red flags. Leading Roswell researchers have dismissed his testimony as nothing more than, quote-unquote, tall tales. Another source of alien body claims related to the Roswell incident is Gerald Anderson. Anderson alleged that, when he was five years old, he and his family were out rock-hounding in the New Mexico desert in 1947 when they came upon a crash-flying saucer. He said they saw the craft's dead crew and one survivor of the crash. These creatures were also described as being approximately four feet tall with big heads, big eyes, and milky blue skin. As with Kaufman, this description changed in different interviews, but unlike Frank Kaufman's aliens, Anderson described the hands of these beings as only having four digits. He then asserted that a group of archaeology students and their professor arrived on the scene. Then the military swooped in from both land and air and began threatening everybody there, swearing them to secrecy and driving them away from the crash site. But again, researchers found many red flags with Anderson's testimony, and he too was caught forging documents in an attempt to bolster the believability of his story. As with Kaufman, leading Roswell researchers lost confidence in Anderson and simply view him as a footnote in the Roswell UFO saga. We can't move away from Roswell without mentioning the biggest alien body spectacle in pop culture history, and that's the infamous alien autopsy. I know many of you weren't born yet, but this is a film that was presented to the public as a grand spectacle on television networks around the world. In the United States, Alien Autopsy, Fact or Fiction premiered on the Fox television network in 1995 and was hosted by the great Jonathan Frakes. This was really hyped up by the network as a special television event, and the hype paid off because the ratings were so successful for Fox that it re-aired the special two more times after its premiere. Again, we're not going into any great detail today, but briefly, this film purported to show an autopsy performed on an extraterrestrial recovered from the alleged 1947 UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico. The alien body seen in the film resembles the aliens described by the previously mentioned alleged witnesses to bodies in Roswell, but this alien had six fingers on each hand. The film's producer, London businessman Ray Santilli, claimed that he purchased the film from a former U.S. military cameraman. The broadcast of this autopsy footage excited people and fueled the alien bodies lore related to the Roswell incident. And many, to this day, believe this footage is legit. But it's not. It wasn't shot by a military cameraman. It wasn't even filmed in the United States. And the alien isn't an alien. We know this because the people who made the alien autopsy film told us it's fake. And they've explained how they did it. Ray Santilli hired Spiros Malaris, a filmmaker and magician, to create the film. Malaris consulted with a sculptor friend of his, John Humphreys, who created the alien and used his 10-year-old son to create the mold. Humphreys also played the surgeon in the film. And Spiros' girlfriend played the nurse in the film, as well as doing most of the research for it. It was also filmed on a set constructed in her London home. Santilli eventually admitted in 2006 that the film was indeed a fake. But... As is, unfortunately, a somewhat common occurrence in the UFO world, Santilli justified his forgery with another grand yet unverifiable story that he did actually have a real alien autopsy film, but it was so badly damaged that it was unusable. So he claims his production is a recreation of this alleged real film. UFO personality Stephen Greer, who founded the Disclosure Project, has publicly presented an alien body. 
This little gal, named Ada because she was reportedly discovered in Chile's Atacama Desert, was displayed in Greer's 2013 UFO documentary titled Sirius. And when I say little, I mean little. Ada is only six inches long. The lead scientist featured in the documentary about Ada is none other than Dr. Gary Nolan, a professor of microbiology and immunology at Stanford University School of Medicine. You may recognize Dr. Nolan's name, as he's become quite a fixture in the more sensational realm of the UFO community. Greer's movie really pushed Ada as an extraterrestrial, but Nolan's analysis indicated that Ada was clearly human. In 2018, research conducted by Nolan and others that was published in the journal Genome Research determined that Ada was most likely a stillborn fetus plagued with mutations and skeletal abnormalities. After Sirius was released, my colleague Alejandro Rojas interviewed Dr. Nolan about Ada, and Dr. Nolan stated that the process of working on that documentary made him more open to the UFO mystery. Foreshadowing his current immersion in the UFO world, he said, quote, The people I've come to meet through this process have convinced me thoroughly the observed phenomena around the planet should not be ignored. That has been an awakening for me, end quote. Let's jump to some very recent alien bodies that received worldwide media attention. Yeah, I'm talking about those mummified aliens in Mexico. In September of 2023, Mexican television personality Jaime Musan presented two apparently mummified alien bodies before Mexico's Congress. Bodies that the Associated Press quoted Musan as calling, quote, non-human beings that are not part of our terrestrial evolution, end quote. Now, subjectively, I'll admit that these things look pretty hokey, like some kid's paper mache project. Masson has provided some seemingly credentialed folks who assert oddities and abnormalities with these bodies. In January 2024, Peruvian archaeologist Flavio Estrada presented two very similar-looking bodies at a press conference. According to USA Today, Estrada revealed that analysis concluded that these bodies were simply, quote, dolls assembled with bones of animals from this planet with modern synthetic glues, therefore they were not assembled during pre-Hispanic times, end quote, adding that, quote, they are not extraterrestrials, they are not aliens, end quote. These bodies were reportedly discovered when custom agents at the Lima airport seized them back in October, and Peru officials revealed that an unknown Mexican citizen was the intended recipient of these bodies. But despite their strong resemblance, it's unclear if these bodies and those presented before Mexico's Congress are related. That's pretty wild, right? But as some of you might be aware, Jaime Mossan is a showman and has a robust history of presenting alien bodies that turn out to be not alien bodies. Back in 2014, Mossan produced a grand spectacle in Mexico City to unveil definitive proof of aliens. This event promoted as, quote, the event that will change the history of UFO research by Masson was a day-long event hosted in a large auditorium and featured notable UFO researchers including Richard Dolan, Don Schmidt, and Tom Carey. The central focus of this mega-hyped event was presenting, quote-unquote, smoking gun evidence to prove the existence of extraterrestrial life. This evidence was in the form of a set of slides from the 1940s that allegedly showed an alien body that had been recovered from the 1947 Roswell UFO crash. A reported 6,000 people attended the event in person, and thousands more bought tickets to stream it live. But after the slides were revealed, it didn't take researchers long to determine that this so-called Roswell alien was simply the mummified body of a small American Indian boy that had been on display in a museum. 
Researcher Bryce Zabel was approached to take part in the Roswell Slides event in Mexico City, but he turned it down because he didn't feel the slides had been adequately analyzed to merit the smoking gun claims being made. Back then, he posted on LinkedIn, quote, I think this is a cautionary tale about how many of us want to believe so much we lose access to our critical faculties when it comes to analyzing evidence, end quote. And last but not least in our rundown of alien bodies today is one that I was personally involved with. And yes, this too involves Jaime Moisan. Some of you may have guessed it, but yes, I'm talking about the Metapet creature. This too was a tiny little creature, only a few inches tall. I think this was around 2009, 2010. The quick alleged backstory is that a ranch hand working at a small ranch in Metapec, Mexico, came upon this little guy caught in a rat trap. The ranch hand was freaked out by its appearance and the noises it was making, so he decided to kill it using acid. Horrible, right? And this is where I come in. Well, not me directly, but this was back when UFO Media and research company Open Minds was still operating and UFOs was my full-time job. Jaime Masan approached my boss, informing him that he had been approached by somebody wanting to sell this alien body. My boss bit, and we purchased an alien body. I wasn't directly involved with the transaction, so I have no idea how accurate this is, but I've seen the figure $23,000 reported as the sale price. I flew to Mexico City to Masan's studio, where I got to see and even hold this little alien. The poor thing was still bound by the rat trap. I thought it looked mildly interesting. I felt sorry for it. But nothing about it seemed alien to me. It looked like a dead monkey. This creature was featured on various shows, including History's Monster Quest. But in the end, analysis conducted at Imperial College London determined the creature to be a monkey. A buffy-tuffed marmoset. The individual who sold this little creature later admitted to creating the hoax, revealing that when he used to work at a zoo, the monkey was sent to him for taxidermy. He thought it looked interesting, so he put it in a trap and fabricated the story. I guess if there's any good news here, it's that this poor little monkey didn't suffer the horrific death by acid bath like it was originally claimed. Claims of alien bodies are plentiful, and a lot more common than most people realize. But as with everything related to UFOs, even more so I'd say, I urge you to exercise responsible skepticism when claims of alien bodies are made. These claims are often tied to people looking to make money, get some attention, or simply because they're amused by tricking people. Of course, it's always possible that a body of something not from Earth will turn up someday. But because hoaxes, pushes for attention, and just innocent bewilderment by things that look strange are so prevalent, any such claims merit a little extra scrutiny. But that, my friends, concludes our episode for today. And because my primary focus now in the UFO world is public education and advocating for the reframing of UFO discourse, I've decided to add something new to the end of each episode, and that's my five recommendations to guide your UFO research quest. These are mostly repurposed from how I used to close out every episode of this show, so if you're a regular listener, these should sound familiar, but here they are. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions, and be open to modifying those opinions as you consider new information. And lastly, don't be a dick. As always, I'd love to hear from you. 
Let me know if there's a case or topic you'd like to have featured or addressed on a future episode, a general comment, or anything else. I'd love to hear it. I'm easy to reach. You can always contact me on the platform formerly known as Twitter at Acentric or shoot me an email at jason at rogueplanet.tv. I'm Jason McClellan. Thanks for hanging out today. Join me again next time as we try to figure out together what the f*** is up with these UFOs. UFO!